Any of you who weren't there last time, uh, glad, with, glad to be with you, um, I guess, for the first time in your case. Um, <clears throat> seeing that we're still in the first uh, month of the new year, uh, I just, there's, and there's a lot of things that have happened over the last three weeks, I just thought I would take a few moments to uh, reflect on it and also tie it into the sermon today. Um, I'm pretty sure that most everybody is glad to have left uh, 2020 in the rearview mirror, but uh, less than a month into 2021, we're off to a pretty rocky start. And you know, the, it's nice. It's, we're glad for vaccines and some people getting them. Um, my wife will get her second uh, vaccine shot on Monday. My parents are lined up to get their first one um, this coming week on Tuesday. Um, so that's good. Um, then on the, on the level of our nation, um, we've seen a lot, right? So maybe you guys have already talked about this a little bit from, but obviously, um, with what happened at the Capitol building on January 6th with the protest turned violent in some cases, and, uh, there's a second impeachment and there's a possible, uh, second impeachment trial. Um, and then this week, of course, um, uh, new president was inaugurated. So we've got a new president officially. We've got President Biden and Vice President Harris. Um, but there were concerns leading up to that, right? Would there be a repeat of, uh, in any way, of what happened on January 6th? So um, I think, at least for me and probably a lot of us, there's a sense of relief um, that uh, power was transferred peacefully. And, um, you know, there were some good things, uh, some humorous things. And um, uh, there was, there's been a flood of Bernie Sanders memes so you guys get a special treat today. Look at this. You're not gonna believe this. We'll get this out. Okay, so there we go. All right, so welcome, Bernie Sanders. Um, endure unto, un, unto maturity. It actually kind of fits, right? Like the, the sermon title, um, like he's enduring the cold, right? He's sitting outside at the, uh, at the inauguration. He's all bundled up. He's got his cheap face mask like the rest of us, and of course the mittens. So, um, but um, uh, on the other hand, oh, we also got to hear an awesome poem by Amanda Gorman, um, a Harvard graduate with some references to scripture, which was pretty neat. Um, <clears throat> but as, as our country and we're ourselves included, um, look at this face a new presidency, there's a lot of different responses, right? So depending on who you ask, depending on their political leanings, um, there may be a hope or relief. Uh, on the other hand, um, and I know people on both sides, um, there could be a lot of concern and a lot of anxiety. And there may be even some people um, that feel a little bit of both. Um, uh, but uh, I think, um, thanks be to God that as believers, we have his word and that our standing before him and our calling, it remains the same. So regardless of who the president is, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what Hebrews 13, 8 says. And we know that um, the gospel of our salvation and God's word, it still stands. It endures. Everything in his word is still there. It is still true. It is still valid. All his promises are still, will still be fulfilled. God himself is the same. He hasn't changed. Um, his love still endures. If his love endures forever, then that encompasses anything that we would ever encounter, anything that we would ever encounter in this country with the changes that might come. Um, nothing can separate us from his love. And uh, certainly a change of a president can't either. And even more specifically, uh, 
God is the one who ultimately and sovereignly sets up um, kings and removes kings. If he does that with kings, then so how much more so with presidents? We could say that he uh, removes presidents and he sets up presidents. But even more importantly than that, he himself is king. He is the king of kings and his kingdom will stand forever. Um, so it's not that we ignore what's going on around us. Um, we should care and we should even feel it. But um, we continue to engage new things uh, faithfully in light of our unchanging Heavenly Father and in the un unchanging gospel. And so as we've been under heightened stress for a long period of time, whether we're always feeling it or showing it or not, I think our passage today from James 1, 1 to 4 speaks directly to our need for endurance. And so if you've seen in, in this introductory slide here, um, we're talking about enduring unto maturity. And it's a short passage, as we just read, but we'll take our time with it. And let me just go to the next slide. Um, I'm not doing full screen here because I'm looking at my notes at the same time. Um, but let me just introduce you briefly uh, to this book of James. And uh, I won't do a really long intro here, but there's several Jameses uh, in the Bible. Um, there's a couple of Jesus' 12 disciples that were named James. Um, actually, the one that wrote this letter of James is not either of those original 12 disciples. Instead, um, this is the James who was a brother of Jesus. Or you might say, if you want to be more precise, he was a half-brother of Jesus because Jesus had no earthly father. But um, Jesus had um, other brothers and sisters, um, as we can kind of gather from um, the Gospels, and James was one of them. And he eventually became a Christian and became a leader in the early church. So this James um, appears sometimes in the book of Acts. And as you could also tell from that first verse, um, uh, James writes to um, 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 believers that are scattered um, across the Roman Empire. And um, most people believe that he's writing specifically to Jewish Christians uh, because he refers to the 12 tribes. Now, what is this whole book about? Well, there's a lot of things, and I won't go through all of its emphases, but I'll um, just mention one because it'll tie into our passage today. So one of the things, among others, that this short book of James talks a lot about is faith in Christ. Now, what does it say about faith in Christ? It says um, it talks about what genuine faith is like. Um, what's the difference between someone who just claims to be a Christian, who claims to believe in God, claims to have faith in Jesus, and someone who actually believes in Jesus. So the book of James talks about that. Um, it talks about what genuine, authentic faith is, and um, the verse that you guys have uh, for your uh, homeless out preach is, is pulled from James, as you guys saw, and it's a really fitting one because it, it talks about what genuine faith looks like. Uh, related to genuine faith, um, this book of James talks about faith that is effective or it's active. It does something. So it's not just somebody claim, something that somebody claims to have or somebody, something that somebody believes in their head. Um, but it is that, but it also is something that makes a difference in their lives. It has effects. It, has, it comes with actions, uh, such as uh, being kind um, towards uh, the needy who might be around us. Um, and yet another angle on genuine faith, uh, which ties more directly to our passage today, is that James talks about growing faith, um, maturing faith, faith that's being refined, faith that's being tested, and faith that will ultimately receive an eternal reward. 
So with that um, in uh, kind of uh, big picture in mind, you can kind of appreciate more what James is saying um, in this particular passage that we have today. And so uh, going directly to verse two, uh, James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So we're gonna do one verse at a time. Um, and the first thing he gives is a, is a very direct instruction to count it all joy, my brothers and sisters in Christ, when you meet trials of various kinds, various kinds of difficulties and challenges. You know, to this day, when I read this verse, there's still a sense of shock when I read it. Um, to count all kinds of sufferings joy or count my, when I face trials and difficulties and pains and sorrows, to count those things as joy. It, it just, it seems like something that's so um, out there or impossible or even contradictory. It's like, am I really supposed to uh, count um, all of my trials and sufferings stresses to be to be joy. I mean, especially when um, we've been through so much already over the last uh, 10 months, um, added to that are our personal and family um, challenges that might be um, that, that vary from person to person. You know, this would be like saying about 2020 to count 2020 joy, right? <laughs> or to count, you know, the first I guess the inauguration went pretty smooth, but before that, you know, like to count that stress leading up to it um, to be joy. Um, how do you do that? Well, I think that we have to, I think we need to define a little more carefully what counting it to be joy means or considering it to be joy, depending on what your translation might say. So when you read this verse, notice that it doesn't actually say that your sufferings and trials um, actually are joy. Okay, that's not exactly the same as, as, as saying you should count them or you should consider them to be joy um, because they aren't, they aren't joy. If they were, <laughs> right, in and of themselves and they wouldn't be suffering, right, then this whole thing doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, but I think when um, the Bible here and James in particular tells us to count our sufferings to be joy, count these trials to be joy. I think what he's talking about is how we think about them. How do we, how do we interpret them? He's talking about how we think about them and how we interpret them, not how we feel when we're in the midst of them. Because by death, I mean, it's just the way it is, right? No matter what kind of suffering or trial that we're in, um, all of us can uh, agree about how we feel uh, when we're in that situation. That is, we feel, we feel bad, or if it's really um, a very difficult trial, we feel terrible. You know, that's just, that's just the nature um, of suffering and pain and sorrow. That's the nature of it. But I don't think what James is saying is that we shouldn't feel those things. I, I, we can't help feeling those things. But he's talking about how we should view them, how we should think about them, how we should interpret them how we should see them in relationship to God, those things, right? So it's, it's not like the first and natural and maybe reflexive response that we have to suffering. It's like the second one, right? If, if, if that, right? Um, if we get to that point and Lord willing, we, we do and, and we continue, uh, uh, we will continue to do so. 
But I think that's what he's talking about. So it's not, it's not really about um, feeling, admitting, lamenting um, the pain or even grieving it. But he's talking about the next step beyond that. How do I think about the difficult things that I've experienced? How do I think about the continuing troubles that I have? Do I just stay there in the pain? Is that the only thing? Or is there, is there another step beyond that? And I think that's what James is, is pushing us to in Christ. Um, he wants us to think uh, one step further uh, and to rate, relate this thing, uh, relate what all these different things um, to the Lord, to the gospel, and to our walk with him. Um, likewise, I think when he uses the word joy, it's not uh, limited to feeling either. So uh, what I'm not saying is that joy has nothing to do with feeling. It absolutely does. But I think that the joy that we can have in Christ and the joy that we've experienced in Christ, um, it is a feeling, but it's deeper than a feeling, right? Because if it was just a feeling, it would, you know, it, it would be pretty shallow. But there's something deeper about Christian joy, namely that it comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from God within us. And it comes from a deeper sense of peace and contentment and knowing that God is with me and with us and that he loves me and that his, his, you know, all of these things together, we have this deeper sense of contentment and confidence in Christ. I think that's what James is talking about. So, so I think he's instructing us and we're going to learn a little bit more how this is supposed to happen, how we can still in the midst of trial um, see it, view it, interpret it in such a way that we realize that God is with us and that God is doing something in us still, and that God still loves us and that we can experience his presence still in the midst of that. And from time to time, that inner joy that not everyone can see all the time, it'll show, right? So there's still, I don't want to make joy so kind of mysterious that it's only something inside and it never expresses itself on our faces or in our joy and our temperament. Um, but it's just, it's just deeper than that. And it'll, it'll come out sometimes. It may not always be that obvious, you know, no matter who, which one of us we're talking about, if you're getting woken up in the middle of the night, um, you're not going to show a lot of joy. That doesn't mean that you didn't have joy the day before you won't have it tomorrow, but it's just, that's just the nature of uh, being human and, and needing sleep, I guess. Um, <clears throat> But I think that's the, that's the main point of what James is getting at here in verse two. And he's going to explain to us how this can happen because this can still feel like something that's so difficult and like hard to wrap our minds around. Like how do I, how can I look at my, my sufferings in, in, in that way? Well, let's look at the next verse. Um, what James does is he again calls us to think and to view our sufferings in a certain way, in a different context. So the natural way for us to um, think about our pain maybe is to just see it in terms of ourselves, right? So I'm not comfortable, I'm not feeling good, right? And yes, there are times in which it's so overwhelming that it really does occupy all of our attention. But Lord willing, there's still some times in which, in which we can reflect back on it and think about, well, what does it, what does it mean? Well, I think that James is reinforcing what he said in verse two, because just as verse two, the counting and considering has to do with thinking and viewing and interpreting and relating our experiences 
to God's word, to God himself um, and the gospel. So verse three reinforces, reinforces our thinking because he says, okay, so how are you supposed to count it all joy? If he says, well, for you know, all right, so there's another thinking word right there, all right? So it's a different word, count and consider versus know, but both of these in verse, verbs in verses two and three have to do with our thinking and how we view what's happening to us. For you know, well, what is it that you know? Well, James is using this as a way to encourage us to think in a certain way, to think biblically, to think in the light of the gospel. But he's also going to remind us of what it is that we're supposed to be thinking um, in the midst of, of, of trouble. What is it? Well, um, he wants us to, to know and to be reminded that our faith is being tested. So he says, know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So in other words, he's asking us to think about our sufferings and the trials that we're enduring and, and think, okay, what is actually happening besides the fact that I'm really uncomfortable or in pain or in addition to that? Well, James is telling us and God is telling us through our word, his word, is that our faith in Jesus is being refined. It is being tested. And we may not always be conscious of that when it's happening, like when something uncomfortable, painful happens to me, I would just, my natural reaction is just to get rid, try to, try to make it stop, right? And that's a normal reaction. But sometimes that uh, stressor, whatever it may be, um, I can't remove it and it's still there. And so I think in that moment, um, this passage tells me to be reminded, okay, your, your faith is being tested. Your faith is being refined. And it's not just for the sake of testing it and refining it, even though that itself has value, but there's going to be a, some good things that come out of it. So not only is your faith being tested and refined, not only is our faith being tested and refined through this uh, uh, marathon, pandemic endurance marathon, but there's going to be steadfastness that comes out of it for all of us by the grace of God. There's gonna, we're gonna be stronger. We're going to be able to endure more because of what we are going through. Now, none of us would ever have chosen this, but we need to look at it through the eyes of faith and the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God. Even if there are so many details that we can't understand, it's like, man, but still why? Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know, right? But at least one of the things that God is doing each of us as believers and for his church as a body is to build us up um, through refining our faith and through building up our steadfastness, that is our strength and our ability um, to endure. Um, this might not be something that we think about that often. Um, I think we are, um, we would rightly focus on um, or emphasize whether a person believes in Christ to begin with, right? This is the, the very heart of evangelism and missions, right? This is a big deal. If somebody doesn't believe in Christ, well, then they can't be reconciled with God and they cannot receive um, God's love in its fullness and cannot receive the eternal life that's in Christ and will ultimately perish. That's, a, that's an important central question. But just for this passage's sake, that James is talking to Christians here. And the question that he's, or the issue that he's really speaking to is not so much 
in this passage, whether a person is genuinely a Christian or not. But I think he's raising the question of, okay, well, how strong is your faith? Um, how much have you endured? How much can you endure? Because as we're going to see in the next verse momentarily, um, part of God's work in us is not, is, is, is not only to save us from our sins, but also to make us more like him, even to make us perfect. Well, if we're going to be made perfect in Christ, yeah, not in this life, but eternally, then we're going to have to grow a lot, <laughs> at least for me, uh, from the time that we believed in Christ until the time that we meet him. That's important to God, that we grow in Christ, that we, that we mature. And in order to mature, we have to build up steadfastness. Um, we have to be able to endure more. Um, the value of this, the more you think about it, becomes more and more clear. Because just imagine of what kind of testimony it is um, to a watching world um, when our faith um, either wavers, and we all waver sometime, but whether our faith wavers, and I guess hopefully not, but ultimately just goes away, or whether it maybe wavers, but ultimately is strengthened and overcomes in the midst of difficulty. What kind of testimony is that, right? It's obvious, right? Uh, to someone who doesn't uh, uh, believe in Christ or know Christ or is evaluating or considering the gospel, they wanna see whether what this group of people, whether they really believe what they say they do, right? They wanna see whether they believe when the going gets tough because the things that we talk about um, say that, okay, yeah, God is with us and he'll sustain us. But then if we, if we give up, right, then it's sort of like, okay, there's a, there's a contradiction here and things are not making sense. And so um, this, uh, I think, brings glory to God when we mature in faith and when we can endure more uh, for his sake. So this is actually not necessarily talking about knowing more, uh, knowing more facts, um, even though uh, you guys who, who already know a little bit about me, like I, I care a lot about, you know, learning the learning, learning scripture and things like that, that's still important. But in this passage, it's not really about um, accumulating more knowledge. It's about, it's about what we're enduring. And so, uh, or, and able to do, endure. And so we can use like modern examples of Christians or pastors who've been uh, persecuted or imprisoned or worse uh, for their faith. And that kind, the kind of testimony that that bears um, to the world, to the society, uh, even to the invisible realm, um, is really powerful because it's a faith that's that's been refined and that is still standing, that is still enduring, and that is still steadfast, um, even though there's so much uh, challenge uh, around them. Um, another thing that comes out of this whole process of us going through suffering and needing to endure is that we get stronger for the next one, right? And uh, that's just the nature of things, right, in, in the world, not only for Christians, but whether, you know, you can use the example of exercise, right, whether somebody wants to start an exercise routine or they want to be able to run, you know, a few miles or something like that, but they, they don't usually do it. Well, they got to start small, right? You got to start with like running half a mile and getting used to it. And then maybe you can build it up to a mile and then eventually you get to the several miles that was the original goal. Um, for students, you know, this is a really common experience too, like kind of the building up of strength. Um, pretty obvious that, you know, the classes that you take as you advance in education, 
they get harder and harder. Um, but you're also growing in your ability, you're growing in your knowledge, your like foundational knowledge that you build upon. And you also grow in your ability to study and to handle uh, bigger and bigger and uh, more and more challenging um, projects. And so likewise, um, I think this passage is talking about the maturation and growth of our faith. Um, namely that this is, <clears throat> we can also grow in our, in our faith in the same way, that our faith would be able to endure um, more and more, that we would be able to tolerate and stand uh, more and more uh, over time. And so just a brief reflection question for ourselves is, you know, uh, on the positive side, right? How have you grown stronger um, in your faith in Christ over the last 10 months through the things that you've experienced? I'm sure there've been some, and it doesn't mean that there hasn't been anything bad or anything you have to improve on. But I mean, how have you grown in your faith um, in Christ? How's it, how's your faith in Christ gotten stronger over the last 10 months? Well, at the very least, the fact that we're here, um, I can say, well, I, we endured this, you know, for, for the last 10 months and that's by the grace of God. You know, maybe don't, I don't really like it sometimes, but we endured it. And I, I trust that God has built more strength and steadfastness and endurance in each of us at least in this area. And uh, looking ahead, we might think, okay, well, what are the things that I need to continue to grow in uh, in the coming months? Because we're not, you know, we're still in the middle of this. So um, yeah, James brings in the fact that our faith is being tested. Our faith is being refined. And uh, this is, I think we should, we need to look at that and with the eyes of faith and to realize, okay, God is at work here. And he's the one that is doing this. And he's the one that is with me and will, will lead, me, lead me through. Let's look at one more related uh, slide here. And of course, this is the next verse. Um, what did my, sorry, I lost my Bible verse just a second. Okay. Yeah, so then there's another step, namely that let this endurance or steadfastness have its full effect. This is verse four. So you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So not only is our faith being refined, and not only are we building up our endurance in faith, our faith is getting stronger, but if this process is allowed to run its entire course, ultimately, we will reach perfection. We will reach completion and maturity so that we're lacking in nothing. So... I think that what James is saying here is um, it includes, but it, it goes beyond just saying, okay, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Okay. So anyone um, who doesn't even have a Bible could say that. And I think there's some overlap right between what James is saying here. But I think what James is uh, saying here is more than that because he's, so, he's focused on our faith in Christ maturing. And if you don't have the hope of the gospel, well, going through trial after trial is not necessarily meaningful, right? So it's like, well, what's the end game? What's the end result? What's the end result, uh, reward? Um, nothing, right? I mean, what is there to look forward to if all I'm going to do is go through more and more trials in the future and then I die and that's it? So I think that uh, this passage in James is actually a lot more hopeful than just, than only saying what doesn't kill you make, uh, make you stronger, 
Um, even though that's not entirely uh, false, I think there's some validity there. Uh, because what James is saying is that what's happening is that our faith is growing stronger. And ultimately, we are going to be made perfect in Christ. And we have an eternal hope that goes with that. So the future for us as believers is not just like trial after trial after trial after trial and then we die. But our hope is that we will reach the perfection that God has designed us for. That we will fully become that man or woman in Christ that God created us to be. That's really encouraging. And we have hope beyond the grave. We will be perfect and complete. And so no, this process doesn't complete in this life. But amazingly, our going through trials right now is part of it. And so apparently in God's plan, um, he doesn't just leave us here and then like, uh, like let us like not grow and not mature. And then we die or Jesus comes, just snap his fingers and we're perfect and we're done. That's, not, that's just not the way he does it. He actually matures us um, in this life by refining us and allowing us to build up um, our walk with him, our steadfastness of faith, our love for him, um, so that we are already on the way to perfection and completion um, when Jesus returns or when we die. And then that next step happens where we actually become uh, perfect in Christ, uh, lacking in nothing. And so um, spiritual maturity then is not just about um, uh, doing good or demonstrating the fruit of the spirit when things are going well. But spiritual maturity is continuing to trust in God and showing the fruit of the spirit, even when things are not going well, right? I think that's an implication of what this, uh, what this passage is saying, right? Maturity is not just about, um, maturity has to do with endurance and the strength of our faith. And so another question we might ask ourselves, and this is challenging for me as well, is you know, how much are the, the fruit of the spirit in my life um, conditional um, or based upon favorable circumstances? And I'm sure for all of us to do one extent or another, it's, it's based somewhat on those things. Um, but that becomes you know, an area for growth uh, for me and for, for each of us. What is it that um, the, um, I need to be able to endure more of in Christ and still show forth the fruit of the spirit, still be loving and patient to others? Um, what, are, what are those areas for me? Uh, whether it's my uh, personal life or my family life, my school or work life, uh, what are the things that I'm still uh, worrying about too much um, and not really uh, trusting and handing over to God? Um, these can good, be good ways to measure um, uh, our walk with the Lord. And I think it's okay. I think, uh, I think it's okay to um, be aware of and confess the ways, the areas that we have to grow, the immaturity, if we can just even call it that directly. Um, I think that's okay because uh, we need to be able to confess those things um, in, order to, in order to grow in those areas. Um, but thank God for the hope that we have in Christ. James will return to this topic of enduring suffering uh, many times in this letter. And I'll just cite one more verse here in verse 12. I'll just read it to you in case um, you don't have your 
Bible handy. But in James 1.12, he says, Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so our endurance comes, uh, brings with it an eternal reward. You know, if we did not have uh, the gospel, if we weren't Christians, um, our endurance uh, wouldn't have a reward. You could endure a lot, but apart from Christ, there's no reward you know, in the end. There's no, there's no end goal. There's no end benefit at the end. Uh, but for us as believers, thanks be to God and the, and the gospel of salvation and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, we have this promise that we will receive the crown of life, an eternal reward, um, eternal life in all its fullness. Um, so James then calls us to endure unto maturity and to look at the things that um, are uncomfortable or painful for us in our lives as what it really is, God refining us, testing us, strengthening our faith, building up our endurance so that we might slowly and slow, uh, slowly, step by step, get closer and closer uh, to the perfection and to the destiny that he has for each of us as his sons and daughters. So let me pray for us and then we'll move into um, the last part of our service. Father, we thank you for this time in which we can um, consider your word together for the many sufferings and trials and difficulties in our lives, um, we ask for your mercy. Um, this passage gives us a challenging instruction. Uh, help us to look at these unpleasant things in our lives as you refining us, and this, this, and and recognize that you are building up our walk with you, our faith in you. Uh, our strength and our endurance, endurance in Christ. And Father, to know that you are actually leading us forward closer and closer to the perfection that is your will for us and is our ultimate destiny in Christ. Father, for the areas that we need comfort and strength, Lord, I, I, uh, we pray and healing. We pray that you would give those things to us. Help us uh, to bear witness to those around us of the truth of the gospel through our endurance of suffering and trial. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.